Ni hao. Welcome back to the Panda Cup Stories podcast. Stories told in Mandarin Chinese and English. This is episode 11 of our season 1, Chinese Myths and Legends. So, in our last episode, the dastardly Shah had captured the Rose Carp, who we know is actually Mei, the youngest daughter of the Dragon King. Luckily, Hai was able to save the Rose Carp from harm, having just traded his entire day's catch for this odd but friendly fish. Though Hai doesn't know the Rose Carp is actually Mei, he does feel a sense of familiarity. He just can't quite put his finger on what. So, now that Hai has rescued the Rose Carp, what will he do? Today, we find out in Part 5 of Pearl, A Chinese Mermaid Story. Pearl, Zhenzhu, Part 5, Di Wuji. And a super quick note before we begin. If you would like to see the original drawings that I made for this episode, go to the linked blog post in our show notes below. Okay, let's get started. Woman Kai Shiba. Di Zhang, Chapter 12. Bao Feng Yu, The Storm. Hai left the market, pockets empty of coin. Instead, he carried a single wooden pail holding the rose carp. He walked back to the dock and swiftly untied the ropes which bound his boat to shore. Then he lowered the pail carrying the rose carp into the boat, taking care, xiaoxingyida, not to splash water over the bucket rim. Hai stepped in after it. Bamboo shaft in hand, he pushed out to sea. Hai rode. Ta huaya huaya. He rode further than he'd ever rode before. He rode so far that when he gazed back to shore, he could barely make out land. Hai rode and rode until the sky changed from pale blue to a symphony of orange, pink, and violet. He rode until the same sky painted itself with graying clouds, slate-colored brushstrokes streaking across a darkening sky. Finally, Zhongyu, Hai stopped. Reaching into the pail with both hands, Hai lifted the rose carp, taking care not to squeeze. Forgive me, friend, Hai said, almost sheepishly. But I didn't save you from that shark on land, only to deliver you into the jaws of a shark at sea. The rose carp seemed to be listening to him. Instead of thrashing, as would most fish out of water, it lay quiet and still in Hai's hands. Its eyes seemed to follow him as he examined its gleaming scales. When Hai was satisfied that Shah's cruel jabbing had left no open wounds, he leaned over the boat and slid the rose carp gently into the water. Hai spoke again. I don't know if you can understand me, but... He hesitated. What was he doing talking to a fish? Yet, there was something about this carp. Something familiar to Hai. He just couldn't put his finger on what. The rose carp waited patiently by the side of Hai's boat tail drifting in the water, its head slightly raised toward high. It seemed to be looking at him. 
Its eyes, I noticed for the first time, were a gray-blue with hints of green, the color of a storm-tossed sea. Hai gave himself a little shake, trying to clear his head. He looked into those sea-storm eyes and continued to speak. You need to stay away from us with the pangyo, my friend. Hai gestured at his boat and then at himself. These boats and the men on them, they mean you nothing but harm. We are, after all, fishermen by trade, and you shouldn't trust so easily. Still, the rose carp remained, making no move to leave. It must be hungry, I thought to himself. Of course, it must not have eaten since this morning. He reached into his pocket and produced the few scraps of mental bun he had saved from breakfast. I scattered the scraps of mento into the sea and then said, Chiba, eat and swim away, my odd little friend. And with that, Hai turned his boat back toward shore and began to row. He didn't look back. As he rowed, ever-darkening clouds erased what remained of the dwindling daylight. Salt winds whipped Hai's face, and the sea, previously calm, began to churn with rough and choppy waves. The wind howled, a ribbon of silver lightning danced across the sky. Thunder roared its approval, and then the rains came. Fat, stinging rain with no preamble of a shower. It slashed across high skin, clawing at his eyes, soaking him in seconds. He ran a hand across his face, trying in vain to wipe away the water, the frustration, and the mounting fear. He couldn't believe how quickly the storm had come. Yet, he should have known better. I remembered the sweltering heat which had blanketed the past few days, thought of the eerie calm that always foretold a storm. He should have known better. At that thought, an enormous wave plucked up High's boat, a tempestuous child roughhousing with a toy. It slammed back down with a splintering crash, tearing High's boat into pieces. High, too, was thrown into the sea. As salt water filled his lungs and his vision clouded, he thought, he saw a flash of rose. Di Shi Sanjang, Chapter 13 Duo The Rescue A tangle of limbs. She grasped his waist firmly and swam, heart thudding like a drum inside her chest, echoing off her ribcage. She swam with all her might pausing only to breathe life into his lungs. She moved through the water, body twisting sinuously, her legs, or was it her tail, propelling her toward shore. She carried him with her, his body made light by salt crystals in the sea. Finally, Tsuho, they reached land. May pulled high ashore. The rain had stopped. The sky had spent all of its gray-green fury and had settled back into a curtain of satiny blue. A few bright stars winked, 
cautiously above May and High. He lay before her, still and unmoving, 一动也不动 May smoothed a hand over High's brow, brushing a few locks of wet hair away from his face. His skin felt cool to her touch, still damp from the seawater. May bent and pressed her ear against his chest. There it was, a steady drumbeat. She smiled in relief. Drawing back, she gazed at him for a few moments more. He was safe. A salt breeze brushed soft lips across May's bare shoulders. High stirred too, eyelids fluttering as if about to open. It was then that May realized. My clothes, Cici made Chuanivuya. They were still in the cave. Leaping to her feet, May hastened back to the water. She slipped back into the water, transforming once more into the rose carp, and swam toward the underwater passage leading to her cave. Soon, May had reached her hidden alcove. She rose from the crystalline pool, rose scales falling away to reveal soft skin, flowing tail becoming legs once more. May retrieved her village maiden's clothing from the patch of dry rock, donning them before slipping out through the cave's narrow entrance. She looked at the sky, now midnight blue and sprinkled with stars, and smiled. Out for a late swim. May started at the familiar voice. There, beside her, stood the old woman, Night Night, as May now fondly called her. Standing beside Night Night, chewing placidly on a mouthful of straw, was a fat old donkey. Night Night, May stammered. Where, where? Oh, we were out for a late night stroll. Night Night, Gu Gu Yixiao. Night Night chuckled. Giving the donkey's flank an affectionate pat, this old fellow followed me home from market today. Nai Nai smiled at the memory, and then looked at May with laughing eyes. Ah, <laughs> May stammered, more confused than ever. Well, oh well, Nai Nai interrupted with a chuckle. Good thing he came along. Look there. She pointed a gnarled finger at the prone figure of High, lying on the sand a distance away. That young man's been lying there for a while now. Nai Nai told me, "I was having the darnest time thinking of how to get him on the donkey, but now that you're here, you can help me lift him." The old woman lifted the hand that held her cane, as if to demonstrate said lifting. Then. Zhang Hou, she turned and shuffled towards the unconscious High, moving much more quickly than one would think a bent old woman with a gnarled old cane could move. The fat donkey plodded, much more slowly, after her. May gazed dazedly at them both before hurrying along to lend a hand. The Shishizhang, Chapter Fourteen. 第二次见面 second meeting. He woke to the scent of steamed rice, a sweet and delicate scent, one he had loved since he was a boy. He felt beneath him and realized that he was lying on a woven mat of thin bamboo strips. 
The material felt cool against his skin. Hai sat up and looked around. He was in a modest hut. To his right was the entrance. In the place of a door, someone had hung a length of blue cloth. On the cloth was stitched, with delicate needlework, two dancing carp. The carps moved. The curtain moved. And into the hut hobbled an old woman, hair white as snow. In her hands, she cupped a bowl filled with dark brown liquid. White steam rose in tendrils from the bowl of medicine. The old woman made her way toward high, each step slow and measured, taking care not to spill a single drop. 小伙子，你怎么起来了 ？Lie back down, young man. 快躺下。She rasped, voice scratchy with age and gentled with concern. We've brewed you some mountain herbs. The sea took much out of you, and you need to rest. As she spoke, her wizened hands stirred the medicine with a carved wooden spoon. Once, twice, thrice, the old woman lifted a spoonful of the brew, putting it to her own lips to taste. Satisfied with its temperature, she proffered the bowl to Hai. The medicine smelled bitter; it tasted worse. Hai forced himself to swallow the stuff with what he hoped was a grateful expression. He even mustered a small smile. The old woman was not fooled. She clucked with amusement and rapped him lightly on the knuckles with her wooden spoon. No elixir of the gods, she chuckled, but it does wonders for the body. Eases pain and livens the soul. She laughed again as Hyde took another shuddering swallow. Sure is better, though. The old woman laughed. She gave Hyde a knowing look and added, "But perhaps its bitterness might be easier to swallow if it was offered by the medicine maker herself." The old woman turned and called over her shoulder, "May." Her voice traveled past the blue curtain out to the modest yard where May was tending a small fire. May, go away, come. May lifted the small kettle hanging over the fire, in which simmered the remaining herbal brew. She carried it carefully toward the entrance of the hut. Inside the hut, Hai watched as the blue curtain was lifted by a small hand, a slender wrist. Adorned with eight colorful bangles, followed. Then came a quiet face, with eyes the color of a summer storm. She smiled at him. He looked back at her. Ah, she thought, this is the first time you've looked at me as, well, me. Oh, he thought. Oh. All right, friends, that was our story for this week, and what a ride—a mutual rescue with Hai saving May from Sha and May saving him in return from the sea. Now that May and Hai have finally met each other in human form, what's in store? So tune in next Saturday to find out more in part six of Pearl. 
a Chinese mermaid story. So subscribe to follow along. And P.S. If you like our stories and want to support Panda and me in making more original content, please leave us a rating and or a comment on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This will help us enormously and earn you a big fuzzy panda hug. Thank you again and see you next week. This episode was written and produced by Linda Yi. Chinese translations were provided by Zoe Lilla. And multiliteracy advice was provided by Kevin N. Wong.